Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. I was reading an article recently and came across two terms with which I wasn't familiar. One is uh, solo aging. That's someone who is aging without the supportive engagement of a partner or adult family member, whether by choice or circumstances, who can help navigate the complexities of aging. Well, that's me. And the person who was quoted in this article is a certified, a board-certified independent patient advocate. And that's a term that I had not really been familiar with either. So I spoke with her. Aileen Gerhardt is a board-certified independent patient advocate based in Boston who educates on solo aging, which some people call elder orphans. It's a term of which I'm not particularly fond and she doesn't use it either. But Aileen assured me that I am not, as she put it, a unicorn. It's not just me. In fact, she said a quarter of the baby boomers didn't have children, and that came as a surprise to me. I had stepchildren. And the number of those aging solo is not only growing, well, it's to be expected. Solo agers have a specific and intentional need to do planning. Um, it benefits everyone as we age to plan. But for solo agers, there's an intentionality uh, that's, that's really required um, to be able to put things in place so that people can go continue living their vibrant lives. Um, but there's a, there's a significant amount of planning that needs to be done. How you saw my name was through uh, an article on Next Avenue about the role of third places and the, and the way they can impact solo agers enhancing their support systems. So for solo agers, that support system, those roles that people, um, either adult children or adult family members may play uh, in terms of healthcare manage, uh, navigation, advanced care planning, um, housing decisions, financial decisions, uh, legal matters, um, and, and everything along that entire continuum, which is a lot and is completely overwhelming. And that support system piece is the piece that really concerns people because it's hard to meet new people as we age. And especially if we're retired or not um, consistently in a work setting where we're meeting new people, uh, then things like uh, book clubs, card groups, um, faith communities, uh, coffee shops, the salon, all of these different places play a much more significant role for us in helping um, enhance our support system. I do all or a lot of those activities. Mm -hmm. but there's nobody whom I have met in those activities, art club, book club, um, I teach classes, I take classes, et cetera, et cetera, 
none of those individuals are there for me or nor will be there for me for as part of my sort of final stage planning. Mm -hmm. So what role do they play? Well, so there is a possibility that the people you have met in art class or met in book club uh, yield conversations and connection beyond that, gen that um, shared interest. And so that relationships um, in a deeper way are formed or in a different way are formed. And the other piece of it is that asking other people what they're doing in the planning process often gives you a sense of who's thinking about it and how they may be a good um, connection to you. Now, somebody you meet in our class may not be the right person to identify as your healthcare proxy, right? Not everyone was born to be a healthcare proxy. Um, there are particular characteristics that are beneficial to people as, as a healthcare proxy and people's personalities don't change over time. It's not like all of a sudden someone's going to feel comfortable challenging authority if they didn't in another setting. Um, but those connections in art class and book club, et cetera, uh, give cast a wider net in terms of who you know who they know and what everyone might be thinking about and not yet saying or excited to continue to talk about in a different context with that connection. What are the must-haves for a solo ager? An age-diverse, uh, vibrant support system is ideal. A plan, um, a true sense of finances, um, what's currently and what's current and realistic so that you're able to know going forward um, what uh, you might be able to afford should you choose to move um, or something like that. The legal pieces are incredibly important, but the reason that I didn't put it as number one is because often when it comes to what we refer to as advanced care planning, health proxies, living wills, all of those documents and pieces. Sometimes if people do not have a, an individual to assign or more than one individual is, is ideal, one individual and an alternative, um, then they tend to not do any of the process. So I'd like to turn advanced care planning a little bit on its head and not have that be the barrier for folks. That the reality is a healthcare proxy, assigning someone as our healthcare agent to speak for us if we're unable to do so, they're carrying out what we want and what we don't want. And the only way they can do that is if we have, as the individual, have thought about what we want and what we don't want, have documented that and have had that conversation with our healthcare agent. So, but unfortunately, what happens is people um, get stuck in, I do not have someone to assign and therefore tend not to do the whole process. So the legal pieces are critical, right? We never know, we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, and I always talk about that we can't change the science and the medical pieces, 
but we can change how we prepare for them. Aileen told me there are now more than a thousand independent patient advocates nationwide, and there are several ways to find them. There are directories online through um, a number of different national organizations. I'm a board of directors member of the National um, Association of Healthcare Advocates, uh, abbreviated NAC, N-A-H-A-C. There's the Alliance of Professional Healthcare Advocates. Um, both of those organizations have directories uh, as well as um, Greater National Advocates has a directory, Health Advocate X has a directory, and then the Patient Advocate Certification Board has a list geographically of every single person who's passed the, has, who's earned the credential or has recertified. There are some areas that have regional um, independent healthcare advocate groups. So for example, here in New England, we have one. Um, there's one in San Francisco. There are ones in, um, I mean, in the Bay Area, I'm sorry. There are ones in Arizona, in Chicago, uh, and more forming uh, frequently. So that's another way to access information about a patient, an independent patient advocate. And when you look it up in a directory, people will have listed what their specialties are, what their background is, what their training is, what their geographic scope is, if there's somebody who works nationally or solely locally. Um, and so there's a lot of information there. The, the trick is to know the phrase independent patient advocate so that when you use a search engine or some other search tool, um, you're able to land in the right place. Independent patient advocates, you work primarily in the healthcare field. So how does a solo ager go about making housing and financial decisions? Those are the two other areas, major areas that I'm thinking of. So in my work, and everyone's work is unique, um, there are a few independent patient advocates who are doing work specifically with solo agers. Um, but in my work, I look at it completely holistically. Yes, my training, my ethics, my competencies are in navigating healthcare. As an independent patient advocate, I cannot provide medical, financial, or legal advice. Um, it goes against my ethics, plus I'm not trained in any of those things. Um, however, if I were to only know about healthcare and not have resources for a solo ager regarding financial advisors and attorneys and housing choices, um, then I wouldn't be able to work with the client fully because so much of this is intertwined. Where you live affects your health. How happy you are where you live and in your community affects your health. Your finances affect your health. Your ability to get to and from a, a procedure or an appointment. In my work with solo agers, those pieces are extremely important because of the unique needs of solos, I want to make sure that I've identified 
different professionals because people always need choices. Um, I don't choose from my clients who they do business with. I provide them with information. That's my product. Um, and so that they can uh, further get the pieces they need in those realms from people who are knowledgeable about the needs of solo HP. Um, I created a website called navigatingsolo.com. Uh, it's a navigating solo network where they're all, it's a clearinghouse of resources, articles, videos, et cetera, podcasts um, about the topic so that people can hear and see that they are not only not alone, but there are opportunities to connect with others. And, um, and that part is so critical. So um, I always like to say to people, surprise, you are not a unicorn, um, right? Uh, but the emotional piece is hard and having that emotional support is, is really critical for everyone um, and, and most specifically for, for solo agers. Thank you, Aileen. So there actually are a lot of resources for solo agers and I will put many of them or at least several of them on the Woman Worthy Facebook page as, as usual. But it's good to know that even if we do find ourselves solo as we age, we're not actually alone. Personally, I have done some of the planning for myself, but maybe I need to do some more investigating and stop procrastinating. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.